And welcome to episode 53 of the Brood Sages, Stormbound players with a head for the game. I am Freeloader, and with me, as always, are Subaiku and Thomas. Subaiku, how's it going tonight? Fantastic. Thomas, how are you doing? Pretty all right. <laughs> we are the Brood Sages, easily the second best Stormbound related podcast in production. And as a reminder, you can always follow us at Brood Sages on Twitter, or for all of you who once thought Space Invaders was the apex of video gaming, our email address is thebroodsages at gmail.com. Well, fellas, we have ourselves some community news. The SWCC Week 5 just finished, and Sabaiku, what are the results? Yeah, winning all 175 rupees was our old friend, The Singularity, uh, a.k.a. Mission to Mars. Whew. And the card that he won with was Tactical Retreat, a four-mana epic neutral spell. And the effect of the spell is command all friendly units backwards, then give all units that moved backward two, three, four, five, six strength. Oof, that sounds really... Like, imagine if you've just clogged your second to the... Uh, like, like, your second row, right? And your opponent had to play around all that. And then... All those beefy units you just placed move into the third row, which opens you up defensively like you're now in trouble. So you just trade trade with all the stuff he just did, play this, and just reset and say, nope, let's do that again. I like it. It's, a, you know, the jockeying for the board in the in the mid-game kind of both of you are, are trying to get the advantage and this lets you kind of, you know, like you said, beef up your units, take a step back and say, all right, let, let's try this again. All right, question though. Let's say the previous turn I had played Cordia, or, or sorry, this turn I played Cordia, and there's now an egg behind Cordia. What happens if I command it backwards? Nothing, because command does not uh, actually crash into friendly units. Ooh, Ooh good point. Go. Good point. There okay, go. good. All right, so I like it. We've we've solved the problem. <laughs> Thomas, this what do you think of it? A dirty card for Shadowfen. Your Reign of Frogs and this, you just suddenly got uh, 42 strength for six mana. Dirty, dirty card. <laughs> oh. Follow that up with Kindred's Grace next turn. <laughs> oh, well, wait, 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 wait. So what happens if one of the rain, one of, one of the toads is actually on your baseline? Do you command it into your own base? That I think can happen. That seems bad. <laughs> that does seem very bad. <laughs> Okay, here it is. You play Aaron with the, with rain and this, and you just hope that you don't die. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that'd be awesome! But you know, right. if it's just one toad, you might think to yourself, eh, "This is this is worth it. It's worth it." No, it's I'll totally. Take, worth I'll it. take the damage. It'd be totally worth it for the uh, toads, I guess. And I think about it because they get the strength after the movement, so you're only oh. taking the the one point of damage, not the the six points of damage. Oh, much better. Good point. Wow, it's like Mission to Mars thought of everything. Oh, he's a dirty Shadowfin player, so I know he was scheming. <laughs> well, let's move on then from the SWCC, and congratulations to the Singularity, aka Mission to Mars. And uh, we have this thing called Toad Games. I know nothing about it, Thomas. You're going to have to teach us all. Uh, can you please tell us what is going on with Toad Games? <laughs> also, I have to say, I don't really appreciate the, the big, bold letters for, for Thomas updates this. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, for, for, for the listeners who don't know, we do actually use show notes. I know it sometimes seems like we have zero preparation, uh, <laughs> but no, we do. We have show notes, and every week for Toad Games, there's this big, giant, all caps, this is Thomas. <laughs> all right. Well, so for Toad Games, they just uh, finished week 17. Uh, there was a lot of games played. It looks like on average about seven games per person. Three of them ended up getting knocked out. Uh, but on to the winners. First place, Reckless got a grand total of 3,000 coins for Come 11 on. games. That's insane. That is that is absolutely insane. Is that That's almost 300 coins per game. Uh, just so you are all aware, for all of you listening, your mileage may vary. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... It's, even getting like that, the top third place. Uh, so second place was Oxymoronic with uh, 2,400 coins for wow. 18 games played, but that's still a great return on investment. Fantastic. And then yeah. Achilles 213 uh, ended up getting 1,900 coins with eight games played. So wow. again, there's no downsides to playing these games. If you've got your time between Monday and Wednesday, join Toad Games and get a nice amount of free coins. Yeah. For sure. Uh, if you can squeeze it in between the draft games anyway. <laughs> uh, well, congratulations to uh, the winners and, and our uh, sincere condolences to those who actually uh, lost out. Yeah, this was a particularly lethal week for Toad Games. Usually not that many people get knocked out. Mm. Yeah, usually yeah. there's none. So the fact that there was actually three is... Uh pretty intense well i mean with oxymoronic playing 18 whole games uh i think i have a feeling i know who was beating up on people yeah. <laughs> who was knocking everyone out <laughs> all right let's move on from there uh to the main topic we uh wanted to just sort of hit for a little bit the discussion on how the meta is doing there were obviously balance changes new cards uh introduced absorbing garments um and just kind of wanted to talk about how are we seeing that uh, manifest itself in the meta for those of you who wish to uh, sort of follow along, remember you can always find the latest updates to the game at stormbound-kitty.com, the best website on the entire internet. Uh, and if you've never been there, please go. Holy smokes, there's just a wide variety of inf incredible information on that site, all related to Stormbound. So with that in mind, uh, I know that, Sabaiku, you were testing out a Cats and Rats deck. Uh, I actually borrowed it. Um you were trying out Melodious Sisters. How did that go? Yeah, I tried out Melodious Sisters and Excited Mousers in that deck, and it, it neither card was still particularly effective. Um, both were were useful situationally, but not not very flexible was a big downside I had. Now, Melodious Sisters just as a four mana eight strength at level five that moves was you know just fine on its own if i didn't get the effect out of it um but it it was very difficult to trigger confusion and get the effect and have it be meaningful it's really the same problem that we've always had with melodious sisters is that you have to lose it when you attack into the unit and it it, it was just kind of it was just kind of okay uh yeah Go ahead. I was just going to say the, the theme of your deck was uh, it had to be either a feline or a rodent. Uh, in my build, I actually took Melodious out for razor sharp lynxes, and I think it performed better with just having another damage dealing unit, right? Yeah, that, that is quite possibly true. Um, you know, I wanted to test a new card. I, I really played a handful of games to make 
to make sure that I knew how it was working before I started tweaking the deck and I just wanted to keep it in there. No, that's fine. Oh, and, and you also tried Excited Mouse, as you say. How did that go? Uh, very difficult to use, actually. Um, you know, just if I was already ahead on board, it was fine. But if you're already ahead on board and you can afford to play a five mana card that doesn't move, anything is fine. Um, the, the biggest problem that I have with Excited Mousers is that it's relatively expensive at five mana and you need to have units on the board. So if you get behind, it's just kind of a dead card in hand. Um, not Definitely not a replacement for Fluffy, which, you know, again, was a giant card for five mana, but it had movement. And that mm-hmm. was a that was a, a big deal. Uh, you know, I'm still I'm still seeing Fluffy out there on ladder. Uh, I have not actually tried it myself since the nerf. Uh, it's it's been particularly underwhelming when I've seen it. it. It hasn't seemed to do much. So Flameless Lizard. When I think of five mana cards that don't move, right? Flameless Lizard does nothing for five mana. It has more strength, right? Yes, I believe that it is blessed with some brawn. <laughs> <laughs> uh but 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 excited mousers is no slouch now at 12 health at level five uh do you think those two are comparable is is the is the somewhat limited benefit you get from excited mousers an adequate swap for the extra just raw stats from flameless lizard or do you think if you're gonna you know if you're gonna go that route would you just say no go for the extra stats the the side benefit isn't worth it yeah, I, I would prefer the raw strength over the occasional confusion, which, you know, might take some strength off the board, but doesn't clear your opponent's front. Exactly. Um, because you could also make the same argument for Snake Eyes versus one of these other ones, because Snake Eyes also has 12 strength for 5 mana and an ability. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Although it is an epic, so it's harder to get to level 5. True. And uh, Thomas, have you been te- uh, testing out any uh, of the changed cards? The only one was Excited Mousers in a Winter Control deck to try and use oh. it like as like a freeze card and just kind of keep my opponent's tempo at bay. But I never ended up literally playing it at all, any game. Uh, kind of <laughs> like Subaiku was saying that if you're ahead on board, you've got better things to do. And if you're behind on board, you're just kind of cycling to tread water to kind of reset your opponent. And so that was that was my case uh, situations with excited monsters i ended up playing like three or four games and was like okay and this this isn't gonna work <laughs> so this is interesting because uh when they first announced the fluffy ba- bad boxer nerf my initial thought was there are three candidate cards uh f- you know f- for its you know replacement in in deck slots one is flameless lizards if, you, if really it stacks is what you want flameless lizards uh, number two is Loris, if you wanted movement. And then if you just want a decent value for five mana, 10 health, I still like Ubis. I think this is actually a really good meta for Ubis. And it excited Mousers then when we learned about the buff, I thought, oh, well, maybe maybe there's another feline option. But it, it really does seem like the meta, guys, is is coalescing around Loris as the replacement for Fluffy. Thoughts? Yep. I, I think I can agree with that. I mean, I haven't gotten to play a whole lot of games, but it, it just makes more sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I don't know that I would say I'm seeing more Loris out there, but it's always been a, a relatively popular card in that five mana slot. Uh, I will say I'm, I'm definitely seeing just a little more variety in the decks. I'm not seeing Fluffy every game, which I definitely appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not seeing a huge increase in the amount of Shadowfen that I'm facing. And 
uh, you know, I was definitely worried about the Toad spam being a problem after the fluffy nerf, and it doesn't seem to be. And I've played some Bragda decks, and it's, it's fine. Uh, it's still powerful, but it's definitely not feeling like there's no answer out there now. No, in fact, I, I've been uh, jamming Ubis uh, uh, ever since they brought out the uh, new Erratic Neglects. I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's another one mana uh, uh, unit type, which is what I've been looking for. And uh, I was worried that with the fluffy nerf that, to your point, we'd see more Toad Spam, we'd see more Bragda decks, and that tends to be a bad meta for Ubis. And I have not experienced that at all. Uh, Ubis is really strong right now. It's a very good time to be playing it if anyone out there wants to give it a shot instead of Loris in that five mana spot. Uh, Sabaiku, I also thought you tested out a little bit of Temple Guardians, did you not? You, you posted a video in your YouTube channel. No, just on the Discord. Uh, I did not actually play any games with Temple Guardians. I just tested the effect. Uh, Mm. And what is interesting about Temple Guardians now is if you have a temple on your baseline and you play the Temple Guardians next to the temple, but also still on your baseline, you get the spawns on your baseline, but also in front of the temple. So it's a a nice little uh, bonus. It does not say that it uh triggers randomly it doesn't just trigger on the baseline or the temple it, it triggers on both huh. so you and could ha- in theory have two temples on the board put sure. the temple guardians in between them and get spawns around both temples seems a little um clunky to set up though yeah i would imagine thomas are, are we are we feeling like this is now a playable card or is this still just it's still much? a meme Still, I mean, this is too expensive, right? Exactly. Without eight mana and having no movement is just going to be a very rough spot for cards permanently. Um, that's when, oh, what's the eight mana winter card that shoots damage? Visions, oh, Visions of, the of the Grove. Yes. The day that that thing lost movement was the day that uh, that card... Uh, completely disappeared out of the meta and the same is going to always be true for temple guardians i don't think that there's anything that they can really do to temple besides giving it movement to ever really get it to get actually see competitive play see i i actually disagree i i do think there is something they could do to temple um uh as it currently stands its value to mana is off the charts right like you get insane amount of stats yep um but you don't get movement to your point. And by that point in the game, you either need it to stay alive or you've already won. Mm-hmm. That calculus is not true if this is like a four mana card. Um, it can't produce units, token units of the size that it does. But imagine it was statted its body and its units more like, let's say, Edric. You could make a Temple Guardians kind of like an Edric that doesn't spawn around your opponent's units, but instead around your base. And, I mean, you know, just the card that it is just differently statted for, for four mana instead of eight. I think it's playable then. You well, absolutely. So. But that's like a completely different card. Like that is like, yeah. the, why is that a completely, you know what card? that card is called? That card is called bounded demons. Yeah. Uh, no, like well, no, I, bounded demons has movement. <laughs> not, not, no, not when you play it. It doesn't. Oh, that's no, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, no but just, you can, right. yeah. Just imagine if temple guardians had one movement. Think of um, how immensely better it would be if it had one movement. Well, sure, but I mean, you could make that same argument about Edric. Imagine how much better Edric would be with one movement. <laughs> this is true, but I think so. With Edric, 
he's going to see some competitive play because he's already borderline playable. Temple Guardians is so far off from being meta playable that I think the only thing that they could do to really balance this card without making it super OP would be to give it one movement because with the one movement, you can at least trade with something that is on your baseline or near your baseline. Uh, or if you just really need to play super aggressively, you could send the 12 damage or the 12 strength onto your opponent's baseline. You don't care about the spawns because you just need to win now. Sure. No, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, giving it movement, but I, I think giving it movement changes the card, the card more. entirely too much well it changes it more than just having its stats and having its mana they're still guarding the temple they're just guarding it a little more aggressively <laughs> they're not even touching the temple when they're done moving uh but yeah but that's but, but the other the other problem with it is and i understand why you don't make it all structures right because it's an invitation to 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 abuse unstable build yet again mm-hmm. but none of the 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 penalty of having to put the temples into your deck for this card is just rough right like that's that those are not i could i could even see if if they turned true shot into a temple so that you had a temple that you were playing that gave you good defensive capabilities and kept you alive being able to surround that true shot on a subsequent turn with temple guardians to keep it protected seems like a decent kind of control deck but the the temples that we have to play with this I don't know. Which one do you even want to play it with? To me, Temple of Time is the one that I would most be interested in trying to pair it with because now I'm spawning a bunch of units and if you kill them, if you use AoE against them or something like that, they come right back. Yeah, Time is the one that jumps to the front of my list. Um, but there's the problem with that is you can stick anything around a Temple of Time that's pretty beefy. And if that unit survives, you're doing okay that game. It doesn't right. really matter. Exactly. Is it... Is it Temple Guardians? Is it uh, Blood Ministers on their units? Is it Harry Chestnuts? Whatever. Anything is that's beefy is probably good enough at that point. Yeah, agreed. Mm-hmm. Or, or you could use Temple of Space for <laughs> Temple of Guardians. <laughs> the only the one I like the most, I think, concept-wise, is uh, Temple of Focus to get the one that spawns in front of the temple to be able to run two spots the next turn. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to do it for that reason, not so that you can. You you, you think giving a uh, 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 temple guardians fixedly forward while in your hand isn't all that helpful? Uh, temple focus, not <laughs> probably oh, not. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah, that temple needs a rework. <laughs> yeah, potentially, potentially. All right. Well, so so that's kind of all the ones that we've. Has anyone touched rogue sheep? I did play yep. it a little bit, and I I was hap- much happier with the strength. Okay. I still haven't found a good deck for it yet. Yeah, <laughs> it still suffers from the same limitations. It's just now it's a little bit stronger on the board when you do play it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. I think it, they've got it at a right spot right now, though. And do we want to touch the uh, Function Wilds, or do we want to move on? Or <laughs> So I have not had any success playing it in Ranked, but man, I am so much happier to see Function in Draft now. Yes. It is so much better. It, it, it really, you know what's funny is if you have to open just with Function Wilds in Draft, a lot of times that's okay. The, the uh, vitality on itself is really good opening because it's hard for your opponent to ever get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. I, I quite like it. And then and then we have our new card, Absorbing Varmints, which I'm sad to say I still don't have. 
Uh, I got this from a draft reward on the day that it was released. I got to six wins, and this was included in the pack. So I spent some fusion stones, and I leveled it up to four and started playing it on ladder. And it's um, it's pretty solid. Is it about kind of like where you were expecting it uh, last time we talked? It is a little worse than I expected it to be, honestly, just because of the limitation of it pulls before it moves. So if you play it, for example, on your opponent's side of the board so so that the varmints move up onto their baseline, you don't actually pull their unit all the way across the board. You just pull it into You're the really- middle row. At best, you're only ever pulling it into the middle. Huh, interesting. Yeah. Yep. And it does not do damage unless it pulls. So that's um, another limitation. Oh, that's Uh, interesting. If there's a unit right behind it when you play it and it moves up, it it doesn't do the damage. Uh, There were definitely some times where it's like, oh, Bucks is on the board. I do not want to actually pull and damage that. Or (laughs) uh, Crimson Sentry, uh, a a really good game against Amazing Azo. It's like, oh, this really limits my uh, ability to use the varmints here. I got to make sure that I use them in a column that Crimson Sentry is not in. Um, That's clever. I like that. Overall, it's a solid B, I think. Um, it's, it's, It's pretty good the we've talked a lot in the past about the competition for four mana cards right uh especially in ironclad you've got scrapped and you've got windmakers and both of those are just a lot more versatile than this but then on the neutral side your neutral four mana tech cards like siege breakers um stoic stoic uh even edric which we talked about like those all just have a little more flexibility than this does Mm -hmm. it definitely suffers from uh having only seven strength at level five you know i'm playing it at six strength at level four and it just never really feels like it's enough Uh, i'd I'd like to see it up at eight to be on par with the other four mana tech cards um at that point it'd probably be a little bit too strong it might be. It might be, honestly. Um, but it lets you play it in, in more situations where at least you don't get the effect out of it. You don't feel as bad about playing it. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, because then it's just a four mana eight one, which is it's fine. perfectly good. Yeah, perfectly you good. You end up playing that quite a bit. Yeah, so that makes sense. So, uh, yeah, overall, uh, when you do get the effect, it is really nice. Uh, there was one game where I pulled my opponent's GP and... Uh, killed it killed the green prototype so it got the buff on the varmint and then it moved like that was that was a really sweet play oh, that's uh, but awesome. in in general it's just used in such uh used in so few spots that it ended up being the most cycled away card in my deck okay all right well i don't feel so bad about missing out on it so far although i do still want to get it and test it out still definitely fun don't get me wrong and when you do yeah. when you do get it um and, you know, it doesn't have to be behind the varmints that it pulls. So if you have an erratic stuck on the board somewhere, you can move the varmints in another column. The erat- erratic neglects will still do the effect. So that's kind of like an, a, a nice way to uh, keep using the mechanic. Um, but it, it's just a, a little too inconsistent. Maybe I just need some more practice with it. Well, that's also possible. But uh, keep keep going with it and keep us posted, all right? Um, next up. We made a promise to uh, Maxwell in our Discord, uh, actually in the official Discord in our channel, uh, that we would uh, do a Deck Detective episode on his slow winter rush, which he entitled Giovanna Rush. Uh, And we haven't been able to do it because of just all the things that have been going on. 
uh, we now have the opportunity today to do a, uh, a, a deck detective on it going through. And uh, we will have this deck list in the show notes. So feel free to go uh, find the link there and you can see it. But for uh, those of you who can't do that, we have very quickly Erratic Neglects, Green Prototypes, Icicle Burst. Those are your one manas. For two mana, we have Frost Taxers, Gifted Recruits, Wild Saber Paws. At the three slot, Potions of Growth, Yowling Weavers. At four, Mistwives and Siege Breakers and Spellbinder Javana. And then at six, that's right, six, we have Wolf Cloaks. All right, uh, Thomas, your thoughts. I like this deck a lot. The only thing I would change, I don't know if Maxwell, you've tried it at all yet, but instead of Potion of Growth, play the Hearth, and then you can just constantly every turn get a basically a small free Potion of Growth on whatever you have on the board. Um, I've played a lot of decks like this, and they're always enjoyable to play. That was your advice to me about a year ago when I started playing a similar Winter Rush deck, and I do have to say, uh, putting the Hearth in there made such a big difference. It does slow the deck down a little bit, but it just means anything that sticks to the board is a threat to win the game, and it's so hard for your opponent to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I... then even like oh. in worst case scenarios, like when you're playing against Swarm and you're you know you're never gonna get that buff off your Hearth. You can just use it as a, a Fort of Ebon Rock to just block. I mean, it's not great, but it's gonna give you a little bit more defense capability than something like a Potion of Growth would be able to do that has zero defensive ability. Right. There's there's never a dead board for the Hearth like there is with Pog. Mm-hmm. Um, like your opponent can clear the entire board with an HV, and your following turn can be something like erratic and the hearth and you don't feel bad because the whole board's clear that erratic's not getting cleared it's getting buffed seems good um yep. if you're going to go that route though guys why not remove wolf cloaks and put in hearth guards which i have done in the past but i found it to be uh less flexible than wolf cloaks uh the problem with the hearth guards in the hearth is that then you have to play the hearth offensively on your opponent's side of the board and you try to avoid that as much as possible because it's not like an unstable build it has relatively low strength for the mana cost and it has an effect that you actually want to keep it on the board so you want to try to tuck it away in a safe spot on your side of the board um so i'm I'm not upset about wolf cloaks here at all uh the one other card that jumps out to me is as something you might want to change especially if you put the hearth in the deck is yowling weavers yep. um it feels so bad to have yowling destroy something that the hearth just buffed it does and it happens way too often i don't know why but it does <laughs> i like lost uh, uh lost psyches in that spot for for the three mana um i've actually also uh, uh, played a lot of this style deck i said that i was playing ubis so if you if you take out wolf cloaks and siege breakers and yowling weavers um and you put in like ubis and uh, another runner i like using first mutineer because thomas is big on it and he's convinced me um because you just want to cycle man that 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 whatever turn you get icicle jev or frost hex or jev later in the game those turns feel nutty so anything you can do to just cycle back to them faster is great um getting rid of yowling weavers then means that you don't mind sticking anubis on the board uh i have been playing to stop getting run over by uh reckless rush style decks uh, trekking alderman in the three mana slot instead of yelling weavers and that actually turned out to be really good i can be on board with that 
All right. I can see where you're coming from there. I'm not 100% on getting rid of Siege Breakers. I love Siege Breakers as a tech card. I love mm-hmm. Siege Breakers when there's a lot of Cordia Shadowfen in the meta. Um, so I, I don't know that I would get rid of that. But And it does provide another unit type for your Ubis, actually. It's the only That's true. in the deck. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm, now that I'm looking at it, I think I could. What I've been relying on is... Um, like a, a kitties so i've got kitties instead of siege breakers i think i've, I've just i've gone uh, lighter on the mana curve mm. uh and so i often try to use kitties to pop a couple of the eggs uh so that's like two of the eggs and then maybe one pop one does actually get off kind of a thing but um siege breakers would be really good in the deck and you're right with if you're playing with ubis maybe maybe that's better to play than than kitties because you already have wild saber paws now the card another card that i am strangely advocating to get rid of is frost hexers which i i do like just icicle burst and jev as the only as the only combo pieces uh especially if you're going to get rid of yowling and put in something like trekking um you got a lot of cards that don't move in there so keeping gifted saber paws and sparkly kitties if you have it uh is nice um really anything anything cheap that moves in in that spot is gonna probably be better than frost hexers yep i i can agree with that i think you guys both know i'm not huge on frost hexers so yep so if that's the case do you want to put in uh uh instead of yowling take out yowling and put in blizzard bombs Uh, might be a little bit too heavy yeah, it's a lot that's of four mana fours. at that point. Yeah, yeah you would be Blizzard Bombs instead of Siege Breakers, maybe. Okay, okay. But I, again, I like Siege Breakers. Although I like I like Wolf Cloaks instead of Ubis also. Um, you know, I like, I like that big chunk of damage. The hilarious thing is that like, so yeah, we've got like nine or ten cards of this deck that is like, yes, this is exactly what we want to do. And then, and then suddenly, depending on like what's going on in the meta, like you take out like literally just one card and we could probably spend the next... Uh, day just talking about the one card to come in the one card to go out <laughs> there's a lot of flexibility that's a nice thing there about is. this right like there's a, a lot of these cards are not core to the deck so you can kind of have some fun with it that being said i i don't like pog outside of uh, uh forgotten souls decks um I, I think it's just too easy to lose the benefit of pog uh either you're playing a deck with runners and you're never going to pog a runner because you want those going into face uh or you're playing uh, you know a, a deck that's trying to land decent sized units on the baseline those ones don't need pog you need more units otherwise like a siren really hurts right um or even your opponent going frost hexers icicle burst into that pog unit like the, the, it's not as great as it seems to just put pog on an empty unit unless you have forgotten souls to push it in yeah, you know, turn one, you could do, you know, erratic and pog or green prototypes and pog. But, sure. you know, in both of those cases, the hearth is probably going to survive and probably going to give you more value over the long run. Right. So so I agree with Thomas that there's like nine or ten cards that are like the core to this style deck. Uh, and then we, you have a lot of flexibility. But but I think pog kind of steps outside the realm of, of general usability in this deck. Yes, and that's the reason why I think I honed in on that one the first. So so there you all have it. Uh, there's our deck detective analysis for this style deck. Um, funny enough, it's a deck that we've all been experimenting with fairly nonstop for the last year-ish uh, in different modes. So it's it's one that we have a lot of experience with. I've, I've used a similar deck uh, to, to Heroes League several times. This will work. 
even with Pog in it, this deck will work just fine, but honing it and making it a little better, those are our suggestions. Uh, so that's going to end the main portion of this episode, which means it's time for me to remind you to contact us, preferably in our channel on the Stormbound Discord server. You can always use Twitter at BroodSages. You can even email us at thebroodsages at gmail.com. This week we heard from, and I apologize if I mispronounce, but I believe I'll try Ajday on Discord, who said, quote, longtime listener, first time caller, love the content, very insightful conversations and reflections on the game, end quote. Thank you so much. That's very kind of you. But they also asked, you have only a thousand coins. What do you choose to upgrade to level five and why? And Sibaiku looked at that question and it was answered in the Discord, but very briefly without a ton of discussion. And we thought maybe this would be a good time for us to sort of dive into the answers to this. So Sibaiku, this was your idea. Why don't you start us off? Yeah, and really this answer boils down to the episode that we did a while back uh, about guns, just generally useful neutral cards. Uh, the answer we gave in the Discord was gifted recruits because mm -hmm. they had enough copies to get up to level five and it, it's a perfectly reasonable card to upgrade. You're going to put it in all of your decks. It's just generally useful. It's not <laughs> faction specific. Uh, and that's kind of basically been my philosophy for upgrading cards, uh, you know, especially as I was much more resource constrained early on. Um, you know, just try to try to prioritize flexibility and make sure that anything that you do sink your resources into help you win games and help you generate more resources. So then you can upgrade those niche cards that you only use occasionally or in a brawl or whatnot. Yeah, Thomas, it's really funny because Gifted is such a like perfectly targetable card for this in a way that even west wind isn't right there's something about that two mana slot in neutral both of those are generic stats for a one movement unit and yet gifted recruits man always at the top west wind sailors not <laughs> it's true um i don't know what it is either i but it, it makes a huge difference um i am gonna give a slightly different opinion than subaiku so it it really it, in my opinion depends on where you're at in I guess your collection career to to decide which to upgrade first for your thousand coins. So I'm going to assume that you're you only have the ability to upgrade uh, commons to level five, um, not like the rares or epics, because otherwise it would be something like Ubis. <laughs> um, but so the reason why I'm kind of differing is if you're pretty early on in your career. Uh, you're obviously not going to have a great collection um, across all four tribes. And so you're generally ending up having to hone in on a particular faction. Maybe it's Shadowfen. And it should be. It, <laughs> or Swarm, <laughs> because there's Doppelbox and Swarm. Uh, obviously, Ironclad is, is too rich for your blood at that point. <laughs> um But so, like, if it's Shadowfen, uh, then even if you were to try and... Uh, like go after gifted recruits first. Well, that gifted recruits isn't going to help you build a fairly competitive winter deck or swarm deck or anything else. And so my opinion then would be dubious hags is going to be a little bit better for your deck at that point in time. If you've gotten far enough in your career, however, where your um, swarm cards are starting to get fairly leveled and ironclad is getting pretty darn close, then uh, reevaluate and 
target that uh, generally useful neutral, uh, the gun, the gifted recruits. Yeah, see, my my recollection of being in platinum, which granted now it was was a while ago, um, but back when I was playing, uh, you know, in platinum, trying to get to just diamond uh, five at the end of the season, uh, it really mattered just how many level five cards I could put. Like if I could put three or four level five cards into a deck and have the rest of them be fours with a couple of threes, I was in okay shape. Um, it was always easier in Shadowfen for whatever reason. I just got more copies of Shadowfen cards early on in my career. That's what pushed me into the faction in the first place. All the commons are so good, hags and helios and witches. But um, I actually felt once I got like green prototypes, gifted recruits, uh, those two especially, up to level five, I kind of felt like any rush deck in any faction was now viable for me because I had at least one, maybe two level five cards in the factions, maybe not in Ironclad. Ironclad took forever. Um, and so I, I, I think that I think that I'm going to side with Subaiku here. I think that, that that going for the guns early, you're going to naturally, if you're getting your neutrals to an adequate number of copies that they're golden bordered, then you very likely have a couple of faction cards too that are in that same boat. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, gosh, it is so hard to think of a deck that doesn't run gifted recruits even now with kitties out there. Yeah. You do still see a lot of, especially more aggressive decks run both of them. Um, yeah, you know, it, it comes down to a matter of personal preference for sure. You can try to min max a single deck, but that's never really been my thing. I like to have a little bit of variety. I like to be able to try to play different factions and different styles of rush deck uh so so having so having the neutrals be what's leveled up like you said freeloader will carry you as you as you try to get a little bit uh a a little bit more variety and that that helps the game stay fresh for you instead of feeling like a grind yeah and, and there is something specific to gifted recruits even green prototypes i would say even after the the nerf to it you have to be a little more careful about how you use it but honestly I think those are the two cards that are still just, it's really hard to imagine a meta where you don't want to be playing them. Like there's, sure, there's decks, like Sabaiku said, where maybe it's not an aggressive deck. Maybe you just want the additional value from a kitties. But if you don't have the kitties up to five and you do have recruits at five, you're not upset about putting recruits in a, in a, in a deck. I, I just can't, I can't imagine a situation where you'd be upset with having it at five. So um, that's, that's, kind of how we get to get to it and i don't think let's let's close this conversation out with a quick sort of opinion from everyone there needs to be a balance between the utility of guns such that newer libraries can develop to our point some flexibility in what they can run that they're not stuck with just one deck that these you know getting these couple of cards leveled up opens up other opportunities for you to play but the counter balance to that has to be they can't be so overly popular and powerful one drives the other that it's all you see on ladder right and like fluffy for example is a really good example of a gun that just was everywhere do we think we're in a good spot right now with how you know <laughs> with that balance and i'll let uh, i'll let thomas answer first oh <sighs> kind of a difficult question to actually answer i would say <clears throat> overall yes we're in a pr- really good spot but it's also fluffy was warping the meta uh, 
pretty seriously actually mm -hmm. and yeah, so yeah. i think because the the meta is up in the air we're gonna have to wait until we find the next kind of oppressive card to then say yes or no <laughs> <laughs> and spiky what do you think yeah, I have to agree with Thomas on, on this one. I think balance is in a pretty good spot. I see a lot more variety now than I ever have in the past, and Change to Fluffy is really only helping that. Yeah, I, I feel like over the last year, a lot of the guns have actually been targeted. Uh, Green Prototypes got a nerf. Edric got a nerf. Right now, Fluffy got a nerf. These are these are a lot of... Murs got a nerf. Good gracious. Ubis got a nerf. Sure, As I'm but, going through. you know, other cards step up now, though. Right, like sure. uh, Trekking Kid Alderman is now a gun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sparkly Kitties is a gun. Lost Psyches, Erratic ne Neglects, uh, those are guns. It's uh, maybe there's a new law here: conservation of guns. Conservation of guns. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like as as cards get nerfed and changed, people experiment with new cards, and as people level up new cards, they start to be introduced, and and the full power becomes clear. So I, I think that we're going to really only see more of those cards as, uh, you know, as everybody gets kitties and lost psyches and erratic neglects copies, and uh, maybe they'll start to get changed at that point. I like that all of those cards that we're now talking about, though, have downsides, right? Ha have legitimate drawbacks yeah. that can be problematic in places, whereas Gifted Recruits and Edric and... You know, even Westwind Sailors, although for whatever reason, and I still can't figure it out, the, the, the value to mana ratio just doesn't drive its usefulness. Um, you know, Trekking Alderman's probably the one that you look at and you say, well, that's probably, that's going to get a nerf sooner or later. It's just good. <laughs> so good. It is so good. But it doesn't have movement, so it's not for every deck. I think we'll leave it there. But yeah, I, I feel like we're in a good spot right now, balance-wise. I'll agree with both of you guys. I, I think I think we've done it. Uh, we've put together somehow a 53rd episode. <laughs> well done, boys. That's going to do it for this episode. For Subaiku and Thomas, I am Freeloader. We are the Brood Sages reminding you to stay hydrated.